<clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Shavua Tov. Thank you for coming. We have a lot, a lot to cover, and we're going to try to do as much as possible. Obviously, the learning that we're doing right now should be for the, the opening of the gates for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. They should have a big Yeshua. A very, very big Yeshua. So I know <clears throat> there's going to be, there, there, possibly, there may be a lot of questions today. We're doing something very different than what, we're, when we, what we normally do. But we're going to be taking a look at the story of Megillah, the story of Purim, in a way that I never did before, and in a way that I think will try to make more sense to us as to why do we all feel that Purim is, is just everything we want in this world. Like, what is it about Purim? In the Pinimius, like, like deep inside, I'm not talking about the outside, deep inside. What is it about this day that we just know, like, when we're in it, it's, it's Mashiach is here already. So what, what, what is it exactly? So, if I were to ask you, <clears throat> what was the Indian that we celebrate? Like, what do we actually make a big deal about, about the, the story of Purim? What, so what are a few of the things that come out? What are a few of the things that come out when we speak about Purim? Like, a few of the Inyanim that we say, ah, this is like, this is why it's such a holy day. A decree was reversed. A decree, you know? It was not just kra, it was, it wasn't just, right, like you said, it was not benafochu, it was reversed. What's that? Hiddenness becoming revealed. Nachon? Megillat is there. What else about the story of Purim that we're so, it's something... What is it? What else, what else is going on inside the pneumias of the story? Mamash. Mm-hmm. Everything is so, every, when you learn every single detail of the Megillah, you're like, whoa, that's here, that's here, that's here. Hmm, if I didn't know what was coming later in the Megillah, and I would just read the Megillah for the first time, and I'm reading Prakim Aleph Bet, Gimel Dalet Heva, I'd be like, oh my God, why am I reading this? And then, like, that's our lives also. Many of us are, have been stuck in Perak Aleph Bed Gimel Dalit Hey Vav. You know, Aleph Bed Gimel Dalit Hey for a long, long time, right? But then there's like, you know, there's other Prakim at the end of the Sefer. So we, we know that when it comes to Megillah Esther, but in our own lives we forget. We think, no, no, this is the Perak that I'm up to. This is it. This is the end of the Megillah in my life. Chaz Yeah, interesting. My four year old son yeah. is learning in school. I'm like, I never realized. I guess he didn't know the story. He's coming home and like, you know, I hate. The Purim story. Why are we learning it? <laughs> That's good. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't know, just wait. <laughs> right. okay. It's getting a little better. Oh, Zegadol. That's exactly, exactly what we just Wow. That's exactly, exactly it. Nachon. Wow, that's Mamash. Couldn't have, couldn't have thought of a better way of explaining what we just tried to say right now. The met is happening. I promise. Oh my god. Every day I'm picking my phone. Oh wow. Other stuff. We're walking, and he's like telling me, he's like, I I don't know why we're learning this. <laughs> and then like the next day, he's like, okay. Right. And in our own lives, I don't know why I have to go through the. No, just wait, just wait, just wait, right? Just wait. Okay. So. Also, that the story, like the Dafyomi Megillah, just so that the story keeps getting told and told. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't just. We that's why it. that's it the, the getting... there's a pasuk in the Megillah that says elen niskarim bechol dor vador, that the more you tell the story, the more you do see the Ashgacha Pratis and everything. So the more you also tell the story of your own life, 
like Rabbi Nachman's whole his body, just the more you tell over your story of your own life, like reading the Megillah and seeing all these Hesters are becoming Megala, are becoming revealed. While you tell it, there's more and more Emunah comes down, which is what it means, what Dabar HaMelech meant when he said, He'emanti ki adaber, ani aniti me'od, we say in Halal. I believe because I speak, when I talk more about my own Megillah, when I talk more about my own story in life and I speak about it, especially with, with Rebona Shleinam, then I see how more and more Pratim are becoming revealed and it's part of a much bigger, beautiful picture where, where future prakim will be revealed to us later on. Now, I, I, there's a lot more to say about this, and I'm going to try to be very, very like to the point. When I was on the plane last week, I, I learned this mimer from Rav Kluger. And um, literally, I guess physically and literally, I never felt I can get higher, because I was really, you know, already. Um, and I davened over this for, for a while. Because this is not a simple, this is not a simple thing to give over. It's a simple historically. We're actually going to be seeing just some some basic points of history today. But in the context that of the point that we want to give over, I think we're going to see something that, uh, for at least for me, was was a different way of understanding how we're welcomed into the story of Megillah Tisteh. We're not even going to be talking about Megillah Tisteh. But but we're only but we're going to do everything we can to understand when we show up and learn the Megillah, who's showing up, and what's happening when we learn this story, when we, when, we, when, we, when we read this story again. So in order to understand what happened, there's a bit of a timeline that I, that I gave out. I, I, did, um, I don't have, I'm sorry, I don't have enough pages, but I should have made more. If you could share, that would be really, really good. It's not a lot of text today, it's just some, but the dates are important, that's the truth. If you could see the numbers here, the years, that would be very, very... That'd be very good. Okay, and the dates that I used just out of Rahmanis on everybody is BCE and, and not the tough shin, you know, tough tzaddik or, all, you know, those years where shin yud tzaddik, where you're breaking your head and I'm trying to, to show that I actually know it, you know, know these things. But so when we said 442, that's before Common Era. So 442, before Common Era, this is a very important piece. Look at the first thing. In 442 BCE, Nebuchadnezzar begins Galut Bavel. It's important to know that Galut Bavel, which we know was the Galut that happened after Churban Bait Rishon, it began before the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar begins sending Yidin into Galut while there's still a Beit Hamikdash, and that's what's very weird, because when we learn it growing up, it's that no, Apitom, there was a Beis Hamikdash. It was destroyed, and then we went into Galut. This is going to play. This is going to play a role. You see, every to every year here is important. Okay, so this is very, very important. Nebuchadnezzar begins Galut Bavel. Now, there's a machloket. If it was one year later or two years later, there's a nevuah from Yirmiyahu Hanavi, which basically gave strength for Jews to last in the Galut, which is between between Bayit Rishon and Bayit Sheni. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the first thing is right. Beit Midash was destroyed in 586 BC. I checked in a few places. No, I checked in a few places, the way that it's written out for me. Oh, it's strange, because you think it was the first, was four, how many years the first? Time? 420. 420. But remember, you're going backwards here in time. No, no, no. No, 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 meaning when you say, 440, when, when you say 442, and then you say years later... 
if it's before common era, you're going closer to the zero, right? The Loach Hichashuv, I checked in a few different for myself, because I have all the Hebrew dates, and from I checked, and basically, you'll see a lot of different opinions. I saw three that basically work, but honestly, it's, that's not the important of the year right now. Exactly what year, it's the difference in years that's important. Okay? A year, or a year, or two years later, is the Nevuah of Yirmiyahu Hanavi. Now, the prophecy of Yirmiyahu Hanavi plays a very big role here. Why? Because if they didn't have the Nevuah of Yirmiyahu, there's no way any Jew would have stayed in Eman, would have waited for anything to happen between the Churban Bayit Rishon and Bayit Sheni. No way. They would have seen what happened to them, which is called Galut Sitkiyahu, and they would have been, no way. I'm not hanging on to anything. There's nothing to hang on to. Now, what's the Nevuah of Yirmiyahu? I'm just going to read two, two psukim. This, we, we know already this number. The prophecy was, we're going to go out into Galut. We're going to serve the Babylonian king for 70 years. After 70 years will pass, this too shall pass. <laughs> right? This too shall pass after 70 years. That was said, Be'erech, in, in, in the year that you have in front of you. Now go 17 years later, which is Chorban Bayit Rishon. The Beis HaMegesh is destroyed 17 years later. What's the question of all questions, which, which brought us the Bilbul, which we see in the story of Purim? When do these 70 years begin? If the prophecy is from Riyal and Avi, it's going to be 70 years <laughs> that you're going to be serving a Babylonian king. The ultimate question is, well, when, does that, when did those 70 years start? Did it start the moment the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed? Or did it start the moment that he started sending Jews into Babel? Or is there another moment within, or did it start the year that Yirmiyahu prophesied? So he said it was 70 years. What's the problem? Mataiza matchil. When does it begin? We have seen already that we are not good with calculations and numbers. Jews are bad with figuring out expectations with time. I mean, what else? We, we learned this a few weeks ago. Cheta Egel, Gan Eden, Gan Eden, Cheta Egel, with miscalculations. These things keep on happening. But this is, a very, it, this is a very interesting thing. 70 years, shivim shana, aval matai. And this is going to play a role for the rest of the unveloping of the story of Purim. Now, if you go down now from 423 to 370, how many years is that? We're not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's on Miriam to also figure out when the Google is going to happen based on this year. I think we're all okay with that too. <laughs> 53, it seems, yeah. Now again, I want, I want you to know something. With these numbers, because the Hebrew dates are always, the year always begins in August or September. So in many of the, right, because the Hebrew calendar begins in either, usually September of a certain year. 
every single book that I looked at had a different year corresponding in the BCE calendar. So it's all give or take. Again, that's why it's not, that's not what's so important here. It's the calculation that's important and trying to figure out what's going on. So 53 years later, which would be 70 years after, at least when Yirmiyahu Hanavi, right? At least when Yirmiyahu Hanavi had the prophecy, there was a Seuda. Who's the Seuda? Who's the, who is Belshetzer? Who, did anyone know who that was? It says over here, right? I want to know if you didn't read ahead. This is Nebuchadnezzar Yemach Shemo's grandson. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, just to put it, bring it down, Nebuchadnezzar is the one that began, he's basically the Amalek of the post Har Sinai era, more or less. Why? You have a base on Migdash, and Nebuchadnezzar comes and says, You have nothing, basically. His grandson, depends how you spell out his name, spelled out in a few different places differently, he's the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And he's in Bavel, and for some weird thing, they have this fixation. These evil rulers have a fixation. And what's that? Shimosh beklei hamikdash. The more that we speak about this side of the story of Purim, and we see that this is a common theme that happens throughout the story of Purim, it shows our sensitivity that when a Jew, even today, it's like thousands of years later, it's just 3,000 years later, right? And we're like, we hear that an evil king took the menorah. Took one of the, I don't know, the, the, a piece of the Mizbeach. He's messing around with it at his own seuda. It shakes you inside a little bit, right? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just amazing? That he's taking these kalim from the base of Migdash at this seuda and he's messing around with it. And we already know, obviously, later in the Megillah, V'ashkot b'chlei zahav v'kelim mikod mikelim shonim. When we read that pasuk describing the Seuda of Achashverosh, we go into a different nusach. We go into the tune of, which is, who said Eicha? Yirmiyahu. We go to the nigun of Yirmiyahu Hanavi, who prophesied, and we couldn't figure out exactly what's going on. This dude is also kind of thinking that he knew what Yirmiyahu Hanavi was talking about. Why did they do a Seuda? So I admit that the way that I was taught growing up was that they celebrated the miscalculation in the story of Esther. It's not true. They celebrated something else that has to do with it. The celebration of the, the, that the prophecy is not happening happens over here in the Seuda of the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And he brings out the Kalim of the Beis HaMegdash. During the Seuda, for those of you that have learned Sefer Daniel, no, it's a very hard Sefer, Sefer Daniel, it's, right, it's, unless you studied Aramit, in, uh, unless you're you know, prolific in Aramaic, it's a very hard Sefer. Sefer Daniel is a very, very mysterious Sefer, and there are, interestingly, when Rabbi Nachman opens up Likute Maran, and he brings down, he brings down, he wants to bring down and show that, um, Shimon, the name Shimon stands for Ir Vekadish Min Shmaya Nachis. That's the Rashi Tevas of the word Shimon. That means that an ear, a malach, and a holy saint came down from Shemaim. That's from Sefer Daniel. But, we, but usually, people don't usually reference things to Sefer Daniel unless you're really dealing with trying to understand what happened over here. And we're going to have to understand that. We're going to have to go into Sefer Daniel because during this crazy seuda that the grandson of the Vuchadnetzer does, when he takes out things from the Beis HaMikdash, suddenly things, a, a, a 
four words appear on a wall. The, the, it's, it's a crazy thing. A hand came down from heaven. You know they say the writing's on the wall? I wonder if maybe perhaps this is... Yeah. I just never thought... Yeah. The writing's on the wall. Okay, well, the, the origins of the writings on the wall is that a hand came down and started writing something on the wall. And what did it write? Mana, mana, takal, upaisin. What does that mean? No one knew. No one understood what this meant. And he's freaking out, Belshazzar, because all he sees was a hand come down from Shemaim, write something down on a wall, but no one knows what this means. Meanwhile, they're all drunk. They're all parting with the Menaira. <coughs> Every time I say that, I just like, it, it, it's like... They're parting with what the you know they're parting with what the Kohen Gadol would do to sanctify God's name in this world, in the highest way. They're parting. This thing comes down, and no one could solve what this thing was. Besides, they bring Daniel. Right, this is where the the Gedula, the Gedula of Daniel comes down, and he solves this Ktav, which basically means that the Malchus of the world. Now, I want you to realize we're in two thousand. What is the year? Twenty twenty two. I, I want you to think very strongly right now as we're saying these words, okay? It's freaky. But it's not, because we're still in Perak Valid. Hey, we know there's going to be love, Zayn Chetet, Yod, Be'ezrat Hashem. This is so bizarre. Wait, including taxes? <laughs> That's the end, right? Sorry. Hopefully not. So Daniel solves the Ktav and he says, this basically means the Malchus is going to go from Bavel to Paras, to Iran, to Persia. Why? As an onesh for them using the Kleha Migdash. That's what, Daniel, that, that's what Daniel says. As a punishment for what they did, it wasn't just that they celebrated the fact that there was no, uh, that, that, that dates didn't add up. That wasn't the Indian, the real thing. The, the punishment that, that the kingdom goes to another Malchut it's because you chutzpah, you took Kaelin from Beis HaMikdash and you parted with them. And the whole Malchut, the whole kingdom is going to go from, from Bavel to Madai Paras, just because of this Indian. That's what's brought down in Sefer Daniel. So then comes a, a very interesting dude named Daryavish, and he comes and he kills Belshazzar that night. In fact, this farm, this, the Sefer there says, here, Baba Laila Katil Belshetzer Malka Kazdia. Belshetzer comes and he kills, he, uh, sorry, Daryavish comes and he kills Belshetzer, and he kills all of his chevra as well. Now, here we bid farewell to Daniel for right now, but for the sake of our story, one year later. Now, you have to realize these things are happening fast, fast. One year later, I think in our lives, two years ago, we all were under the assumption that the whole world is about to be done, you and I, in this room. Two years ago, we went into Freakville. <laughs> time, is a, time is a very tricky, it's a very tricky thing. A year after this thing comes and appears on the wall, the Malchus goes, and this guy's sitting there, Daryavish, everything's great. Look at me, I'm the king of the world. What happens to him? Eh, you were the king for maybe a year. He dies. And then, where does the Malchus go to? His son-in-law. Who's his son-in-law? Koresh. Okay, now, this is, you're going to start to wonder why certain streets are named after certain people also, because it's not so clear why, 
we have like even Efrat or Rechov Koresh, but it, it doesn't matter. You'll, 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 see, you'll, you'll see what I mean later. It's, it's like a very bizarre thing. We understand Matisiao coin that we understand, Pitu Maktoret, but surnames, is just, it's, it's very interesting. Now, I know this is a lot of information, but I, I wanted to show you how this thing is basically developing. Now we're at the year 369 BCE, according to most Deot. And in order to understand now what's happening, we meet Sefer Ezra. Sefer Ezra, what do we know about Ezra? Ezra and Nehemiah, but what do we know about Ezra? What are the few things we know about Ezra? He's a scribe. Yeah, he's a scribe. Ezra is so fair. What else about Ezra that's important to know? Ezra comes back to Eretz Yisrael. That's a very, very key thing here. Ezra comes back to Eretz Yisrael and his Takanot, Takanot Ezra, basically helped formulate the way that the origins of our Masoret, of our traditions, most things that we do today, obviously, and I heard a whole shir about this last week, the Yemenites have the closest, by far, the closest um, tam of real Masoret, because even during Churban Ba, during Beis HaMikdash Hashani, they already moved to, there was a kila that developed in Yemen, so they're already taking with them a lot of the Masoret, that was already, that was like the most, the most planted in roots, but Ezra comes and Ezra basically sets the stage for us to be very much in tune till today to hold on to Masoret. It's the year 369 BC. Ezra, let's, let's learn the first Pesukim in Sefer Ezra. Ubishnat achat Koresh melech paras. It's Koresh's first year as the king of Paras. Lechlot dvar Hashem mipi Yirmiya. He says, hmm, whatever happened to that prophecy? It's done. Seventy years have passed, right? Heir Adonai et Ruach Koresh Melech Paras. This is Ezra speaking. God awoke the spirit of Koresh, the king of Paras. He sent out. Uh, he sent word out in the most, this, you know, loudest way possible. God gave me. God granted me the following. He commanded me, He commanded me to send Yidin home, or perhaps that I should go and build another home for God in Yerushalayim. Whoever can go, go. Go back home. Vayiven et bet Adonai Eloi Israel Hua Elohim Asher Birushanaim. It's the year 369 BCE. A lot of craziness has happened the last few years, and Jews start going back home. And what do they start to do? They start building the second base on Megdash. We haven't even gotten to the story of Esther yet. But they start building the second Beit on Megdash. Look at Peregimel in Ezra. Vayachinu amizbeach al mechonotav. They didn't build the whole base of Mikdash, but what did they already build? A Mizbeach. They built an altar. They started bringing Korbanot. Then it says, They brought exactly what they needed to bring on every day of Chaga Sukkot. What's happening? What does it seem to be happening over here? It seems that, Bemet, 
Yirmiyahu Anavi's, it, it re, now for sure it's over. Meaning, the 70 years, they're done. They have to be done. You know why? Because we started, we, now we have a king that comes and says, God spoke to me, I'm, going, I'm sending you back to Yerushalayim. Start building. Start building, the sec- we're building, we're rebuilding the second Beit HaMikdash. Of course the 70 years are over. What's the question, Bichlau? Bless you. Ma'ashe'ena. Of course the time, look at it, it all adds up. It all makes sense. What's the last thing in the world that should happen now? While they're building the second base on Mignesh, 70 years are over. What's the last thing that should happen? <laughs> Look at this. What did they say? They said a few things, but I want to stick to this. Two years later, Koresh dies, this king that sent them home. And then apparently with son-in-laws, it's a very interesting thing. Who was Koresh's daughter? Vashti. Vashti's husband, Achashverosh. The Malucha goes to Koresh's son-in-law. That's why I, I think, thinking back at it now, <clears throat> Bina and I, first few years of marriage, we lived on a street named after Vashti's Abba, if I think about it now, on Rechov Koresh. It's very weird. Although he did send us back to start building the second base on Megdash. I don't know about the Chinuch. Yeah, but if you produce a Vashti, and we'll see in a second the real pnimiut of the Roa of Vashti. The pnimius of the evil of Vashti is going to be clear to us in a few minutes. Koresh dies, and what does Achashverosh start? How does he begin his melucha? Freeze. No, we're not even in the story yet of, of Esther. Building freeze in Yodan Shamron. Mamash, mamash. This is how the malchut, we haven't even gotten to Megillat Esther yet. This is, how the st- this is how Achashverosh begins his melucha. Building freeze in Yehuda and Shomron. Am I, is it my create? Like, am I? No, isn't this insane? Yes. <laughs> now look at this. Now to continue to understand Esther, Megillat Esther, you really, I never realized till this year how much you really have to learn Sefer Ezra. It's not such a long Sefer. But every detail in there explains to us how we got to where we got to in the story of Esther. How do you say sitna? Yeah, but it doesn't know. It doesn't mean here it means something like um, demonic, like um, obviously, but it's basically right. Huh? <laughs> well, yeah. you know, like a blood libel without the it's blood. It's a blood libel without, yeah, it's mamash kacha. So Rashi helps us during Megillah's Esther to understand. When it says, Aseret b'nei Haman, so Rashi says like this, Ra'iti b'seder olam. Who are those that were writing blood libels on, on those that dwelled in Yerushalayim and Judea and Samaria? Ra'iti b'seder olam elu asarashe katvu sitna al yudav Yerushalayim. It was Haman's sons. They were writing up blood libels against the Yidden. They were building the second base of Mignesh. Haman's sons. Kamo shekatu b'sefer Ezra, like we just read in the Pasuk in Ezra, u'b'malchut ha'chashverosh, b'tchilat malchuto katvu sitna al yoshvei Yehuda v'Yerushalayim. What did they write? Like what was the hatred that they were writing and what did they advise as the sons of Haman? And Haman was already, you know, it was, it was pretty mechubadik uh, Russia. What were they writing? Umaya sitna levatel haolim min hagola. 
Nefesh benefesh, you're out of business. Be made Koresh. Shitchili Vlantabait. That thing that you guys started back with my actually it's not it's not no Mishpacha there, but by the king's father in law, yeah, he was an old kook. He was Meshuganam. His idea, that whole thing, seventy years and that whole thing, that whole thing of going back to Eretz Yisrael, no, it's all and they already started going back there. And in fact, I learned that Mordechai, a Yehudi, was one of the Yidin that was there, that was in Paras, went back to Yerushalayim. We all know he was part of the B'niat, right? Uh, it says that um, he came back because he was, he, was he was in Bayit Rishon, Slicha. He was in Bayit Rishon, Mordechai, a Yehudi. He was sent then to the area that, it's not exactly clear if that was Bavel or Paras, based on the Malchut and territory, but he, he saw a lot, because Mordechai Yudi is in Bayit Rishon, he gets sent by Nebuchadnezzar, or maybe by the Churban Abayit, down to the area of Paras, he goes back with the Tchevra from Ezra, then they, go back, they get sent back again, down to Paras, and they stay there. He saw a lot. But look how it says here, Uchshemetam Koresh Achashverosh Haman What's the first thing that they were making sure? Da'ag shelo yasku otan bebinyan. What did they care so much that a building was being built in Jerusalem? These are the kings over the Ma'asrim v'sheva medinot. This is what drives them crazy? This is, this is a new king. He has a lot to worry about. And what does he care about? That they're building a building in Jerusalem. And the sons say, this has to stop right now. That's just, this is what we're meet Akeshan. Because this is more important than everything else in the world. Why? We don't understand why we're crazed by this. But obviously, this is something that we can't explain. So honestly, Koresh doesn't seem so bad. In to no, no, I, Koresh seems like a gavalt compared to this. Just that he produced the Vashti. I'm wondering about his chinos at home. That's it. That's what I was, that's what I was referring to before. Definitely. 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 Listen, honestly, everyone always said that, and don't, I'm stam saying some very stupid big things right now in the Ruach of Purim. Maybe. <laughs> Everyone says that uh, Trump was a chashverosh, right? Huh? <laughs> Son-in-law, the whole... Different. The truth is, he was Koresh. If you, if you read it like this, he's more like Koresh. Although that would mean that, that Kushner is a chashverosh. That, that doesn't add up. <laughs> and that uh, Yael is Vashti. Yael is... Uh, Ivanka's Hebrew name, yeah. I don't know that you can really blame Koresh. I mean, look at... Because no, I know, I know, I know. Zalderech I'm, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not no, I didn't really mean it. I'm just saying he produced the Vashti. So I'm like, okay, maybe... Maybe he, if she would have went to Talmud Torah, it would have been a better story. Because look over here, look at the bottom over here, that Vashti plays as, just as much of a role as B'nai Haman did. Why? So... It says like this in Esther Rabbah, the Midrash Rabbah in Esther, it says, minchat liten rishut livnot beit avotai livnot. So it's very weird. As Vashti, she forgets about her father's whole Indian, and she goes back generations before. And she says, my, my great-grandparents tried to destroy, you're going to try to rebuild? Now, she's just forgetting one important detail. Her father changed his ways from the grandparents. Her father, Koresh, was the one that said, go and build. 
But she says, no, no, really, we have to be very, a lot of kavod for the grandparents and everyone before that. Because what they tried to destroy, you're going to try to build. So the Midrash Rabbah is saying, Achashverosh got it from all sides. He chose the worst Yuatzim in the world. He was married to evil. And for some reason, all directions were telling him, not to, we're not exempting him from any uh, responsibility here. At the end, it's what the king says has to happen. But basically, he's, he's receiving all this Eitzahs, and he says, yeah, you know, this is, this is true. Even though these 70 years, maybe, I don't know what they were talking about, stop the building of the second base on Mikdash. Forget about all the kings right now, forget about all these son-in-laws, all these names, all these dates. Forget about all that. Think about Am Yisrael for a second right now. What's going on in Am Yisrael right now as a people? So that's one, one very, very special and important message that is, is very, very, very apparent that keeps on showing up in our history. That when you have the chance to come home, you come home. But we didn't have our own sovereignty. So even if we came home and we were under someone else's rule and they tell us, that all the simanim are showing us, your prophets were right, start building the Beis HaMikdash, you feel, oh my God, this is what we've been dreaming for. This is, it all adds up now. It all, it all adds up. All the animamins I had, it all added up. Because now it's all happening. It's happening. It's not happening. And then it stops. And this time, the prophecy is bichlal forgotten. Because now you realize everyone here miscalculated. No one knows what year this prophecy began. No one knows what. And only now begins the story of Megillat Esther. When they sit at the Seuda, now, in the beginning of Esther, that's the final stamp of approval that it's really not happening. Like, the, the, there was like one, there was one moment of, this could happen, right? And then it was like, okay, a Seuda, they comes, they bring the Kenan Beis HaMikdash. But then, a hand comes from Shemaim and says, what you did right now is giving you an Onish Mavet. So people heard that Daniel solved this amazing chida, this amazing thing that came down from Shemaim, and they think it's our time. Well, what ends up happening? Our hopes go so high, and they get so crushed. The story of Megillat Esther happens only now. This is where it begins. Where's the Ruach of the people? The Ruach of the people is Yeush Achar Yeush. Now it says in the Gemara, it says, En ben David ba ad min It's a very bizarre statement in the Gemara. Mashiach comes only after everyone has completely despaired from Geula happening. Well, there was one Jew that didn't despair. He, actually, the only person that's referenced as a Yid, Ish Yehudi Haya Beshushan Abira, Shmo Mordechai. Mordechai says, I don't care about any miscalculation. I don't know what anyone was talking about. I know the prophet's words are true. And when Mashiach comes, he'll explain to us how we miscalculated. But I'm not worried about solving these things. And you also know that the Rambam says clearly, anyone that delves too deep into trying to decipher timings of things, it doesn't add anything to his Yirat Shemaim. That's the Rambam writes. It doesn't help, it doesn't, add, it doesn't do anything to him. So I'm learning all this on the plane, going through all this timeline. And then 
I, I didn't print this, but I, I'm just going to read for you a few paragraphs from what this Rav says. Rav Kluger, who's in Beit Shemesh. I don't know if he sees women. If he does, you should definitely, definitely could die to see if there's a chance to have a mivgash with him, a young, young guy that is tuned into something so, so powerful. Okay. This whole timeline we gave, more or less, let's look now into our time. So it's very well known in Hasidic history that there was a time when three tzaddikim got together and said, we could do this. We could bring it on. We could bring Mashiach. We could mamish put our hearts together and figure it out. And um, in the year 18... 15, they got together and they did whatever they could. But, and who are we speaking about? The Koshnitzer Magid, the Chosev, Lublin, and Rebbenach and Mendel Rebbenover. And the Sitra comes and fought them, fought them like mad. Because in that same year, these three Yidim, these three Tzaddikim, that took upon themselves to end the, to end the God, whatever that means, they died, all three of them in one year. And all the mice, and we also we, we, we know, like even the story of how the Chaz of Lublin died is so mysterious. How he fell out of a certain window on Simchas Torah and then died succumbing to his wounds, Tishabav later that year. Like very bizarre stuff. The Kama Chalishut, now listen to these words. Kama Chalishut Hadat Nigram Kashver Choshvim Al Kach. Shekdole Israel, Tzadikei Ador. How much of a weakness of the mind happens when you think that these giants did whatever they could to bring about Mashiach coming, we're standing here 200 years later. And, and, and from the way things look like, spiritually, we've kind of gone down and down and down, going really down, whether it's through Haskala, the Enlightenment, or the Communists and the horrible wars that took place then, specifically World War II, and also by the clip of Erev Rav, that still continues to mislead many, many, many of our brothers and sisters all over the world, and also here in Eretz HaKodesh. And we're standing in this situation, and we don't see the end of all this. We keep on thinking that we're part of the Purim story at the end of it, but we still realize we're still in the beginning of the Megillah. Mamash hastara shebetoch hastara. That's what he says, mamash. Hastara shebetoch hastara. Because on the one hand, each of us is filled with sencha, that like we also were sent home. There was like a chorus in our lives, so to speak, right? Said, go home. We heard a voice. Go home. Start building. Specifically after World War II. It makes sense. Go home. Start building. But every time we build a brick, it seems that something, it seems like we may be very confused and maybe it's Achashverosh that's really calling the shots again. And Vashti shows up again and says, no. Masha'aya, this is what was in their time. Now it says, he says, it seems that the Nisayan was even harder then because Yirmiyahu Hanavi prophesied and Daniel, the prophet of Hashem, does a cheshman and he also sees that he miscalculated as well. Even a prophet miscalculated. 
And even though we're all mitchazek be'emuna with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and we say we don't understand anything, and I don't question God. This is why this next line is why I love this Rebbe. Ach be'omek alev. Even though we say that, in the depth of our heart, zoeket betzoeket nishmat Yisrael oy gevalt. Inside our hearts, there is a scream that we scream, that we don't want anyone to hear because it may not sound from, and it may sound like we're kofer chas v'shalom, but inside our hearts, we're having a scream here saying, what's going on? Like, be'emet. What's, what, what, what do you want from us? Mata, Hanan ben has a famous song. Mata rotzenimani, right? What do you want from me? Mata be'emet. Like, what do you want from me? And please don't just say achdus, because we, we, we keep on trying those things. Achdus. I don't know anyone here sitting in here that, that doesn't live a life of achdus. So, so like, maseh, what, what, what is it? Are we back for good or not? And on Tishabav, not to freak anyone out, but on Tishabav, when we say there's a certain kina we say, where it basically brings up the question, why are we so certain that this time we're back for good. Like, why are we so certain that this whole thing is for sure here to stay? Where does it come from, that certainty? These are important questions to put into the heart of a Yid's davening before Purim. Very important. He says, this is what's going on inside the heart of a Jew. V'niyes rita dakamina daka. There's a little bit of a scratch, even if it's a little scratch, in the emuna and the, and the anticipation of Geula. And this is when we really cry over the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Rav Kluger says, a real Jew is crying over the fact that he knows deep down inside that he, say, he says that question to God, what do you really want from me? Is this happening or not? Even if it's kim'ah, kim'ah, right? Even if it's slowly, slowly. Like, you know, people like to just say the whole Torah of Rav Kook is basically the, the Torah of like, he's saying it's happening, it's just kim'ah, 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 kim'ah. But I found this to be, when he said that this is what's actually happening deep down inside the heart of a Yid, he says, you have to ask yourself that question and then go and start learning Megillat Esther. Because this is the state that Yidin were in when we meet them in the story of Esther. Much worse, actually. I just said, deep down, like we all believe in it, and deep down inside there's a question of, is this happening or not? By the time the story, by the time the story begins, in Megillat Esther, was there a Jew that was proud of prophecies? Do you think anyone walked around with a, well, it wasn't a Tanakh, but like with a, with a Tan, I guess, because it's... Right? You think anyone was proud to walk around with Navim, whatever they had by then? Why would anyone walk around with a, with a Navi in his pocket? Why would anyone walk around with a Sefer Navi? Why would anyone walk around with the Torah? It's not happening. Look. Hashem forgot about you. Look. Look. You're here. Everyone's bowing down. There's one freak. He's going to be killed soon. He's one that's not bowing down. You're all bowing down to this king. He stopped your building. He did a building freeze. Who is he? Shows up on the scene. The first thing he says is, stop, being, stop building your home. You see, 
what he's doing for us over here is not to, God forbid, depress us. He's saying, you want to experience the, the, the simcha of, of Purim? You have to understand the context of where the Jews were and what state they were in going into Megillat Esther. So, I'm going to read one more paragraph. Man. I'm sorry I don't have this printed out, but just hopefully you'll, you'll, your hearts are open and you'll hear he says, after, after saying all this, we'll understand a little bit where we were in Galut. That we began a little bit to have a little bit of a nechama from Galut, why we, we started going back to Yerushalayim. And suddenly Achashverosh comes and says, stop building. And at that point, Klal Yisrael was completely mitya'esh from Geula. Specifically also because they already thought that Geula came before, like we saw by Daniel. And we saw, oh, it's just taking a bit more time. But now, that it's not just taking a bit more time, now we're being thrown into Galut again. In the Omek of Klal Yisrael, there was Yeush Achar Yeush, Achar Yeush. Desperation after desperation after desperation. <clears throat> and in the depth of it, the, what really got them depressed was the fact that they began building the second base on Megdash, she says. Like that's what really messed with their minds. Had they not have begun to begin the building of the second Beit HaMikdash, and then Achashverosh says, come back, that would have been easier to swallow. But it's Dafka that they began to build the second Beit HaMikdash that messed with their minds and hearts more than anything. And us, we came back, we came back to Eretz Yisrael, and we're building, and we're building as much as we can, but it keeps on feeling that no matter what we're doing or what happens, it's like, there is an Achashverosh and a Vashti that's be, and Bnei Haman that are writing blood libels and they're saying, I mean, it's mamish what's happening in the world today. It's preventing any real, real growth. You know, this is a crazy thing. One of the reasons why the shul had a problem, do you know that there's a problem why we can't just have the, the municipality to build a kikar right in front of the shul, which would be amazing and safe for <laughs> For everyone, because there's no, it's a very, you know, right, pretty dangerous curve. Do you know why we can't do that? Why we have to raise our own half a million shekel, even though this is something that the municipality should definitely provide us? Why, why do you think we can't do that? Don't tell me we're paying off the Arab who owns that little corner. Or some so, so I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> we can't do it because of a kav aviri, an aerial line that passes through part of the street which doesn't let us receive from the government funds an official thing that can be in the name of the state of Israel. Sorry. Are we back or are we not back? Do you understand? It's, 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 it's Perak Aleph Bet Gimel Dalet. That's what I want to say. It's true. Tisha B'Av is Perak Aleph Bet Gimel Dalet. Hey. One second, Jenny, one second. So this is, this is like what's so bizarre. What's so bizarre is that we're back, but inside there is this little scratch of saying, Be'emet? Like, Be'emet la'amito? And there's such much pressure on us saying, well, if you were really loving each other, then it wouldn't be like this. Alavai. But I want to I finish this paragraph. In the deepest depths, that's what really broke our heart, that we began building, we built shuls, schools, this and that, but it wasn't, it wasn't keyad hamelech. It wasn't like we really want to, the way that we know it can be and should be, right? 
this me'ora, he says, this sort of Rav Kluger says, when you come and you introduce yourself to Megillat Esther, understand the deepest depth of Yehush that the Jews of Paras and Madai were feeling at the time in order to experience the Simcha Atzuma that happened afterwards. Now, what's the difference, Bezrat Hashem, between the end of Megillat Esther and the end of Megillat 2022? What's going to be the difference? The, the, the difference is, is that after the story of Purim, the Simcha was so high, but how many Jews ended up then going back to Eretz Yisrael to finish the Binyan Bayit Sheni? This is a common theme we keep on having. How many Jews went back? Very, very small percentage. So we're wondering, you have to, like, if that gilui, that revelation that came from such a place of desperation only brought back, let's say, 20%, we have to have holy chutzpah, this Purim, that we're, when we're mamish in the zone, on whatever level of adeloyada that you're going to experience, the world of tefillah, of saying to you have to reveal yourself in a way that was never before, ever, ever, because how many more times can we keep on going like this where there's going to be hopes, desperation, hopes, desperation, confusion? We need to come home. I can't see another one of these Pesach program thingies that, 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 that are being published in Cancun or we came out of Mitzrayim. Right? No, I'm saying we came out of Mitzrayim to go to Eretz Yisrael. So there's got to be, listen, and you all know that, that and the Gemara speaks about the difference between, between Purim and Pesach. It says, mi, mi It's all these geulahs going on right now. There's a lot of redemption. Zero judgment. Just, it's not about making phone calls to people there and saying, how could you still live there? It's not, no one's ever made Aliyah from a phone call like that. You, we, we go into the deepest depths of our heart in the Su'uda of, of, of our Purim, and we do a tikkun for the Su'uda of Belshetzar and the Su'uda of Achashverosh, where they were celebrating the fact that our prophecies don't take place. And we sit around the table, we look at our children, and we're in Eretz Yisrael, and we're celebrating all the prophecies that are taking place, and we're saying, Rebbe Shalom, you think this is a celebration? Chaval. Chaval for you. Because the celebration that you're going to have when all the prophecies take place, Begadol, when kol amea aretz nit dav, for you, what kind of simcha you're going to have. This is just a taste of it, but to tune into that place of like where there's, where there's like every reason to have yehush achar yehush, every reason to have yehush achar yehush, and to really, really go with Azuz Dikdusha into the place of saying, Ribbonon Shalom, if I'm still sitting here and I really believe that even though according to all calculations and millions of dead Jewish bodies, I still believe in you and I believe that this, this story is going to end with the ultimate simcha in the world, doesn't that bring you simcha that there's one yid that actually feels like that? Don't you, feel like that's, don't you feel like that's the most beautiful thing in the world? Like, what could be more beautiful in the world? So, we know we always push ourselves to, like, go to the next level all the time. Like, I think, Jenny, that's what, like, kind of, like, what came out in the end of last year. And there being Nachman here, you made a comment at the end about, like, that's very expensive about something. I said, yeah, it sure is. I was thinking about it all Shabbos. It's true. This place we're pushing ourselves to 
is very expensive. Why else did Hashem give us each other? Why else did Hashem give us Eretz Yisrael? Why else did Hashem give us the gift of being alive now, learning such tires from such tzaddikim that are touching upon the pnimiyut of the pnimiyut of the pnimiyut? So, so, I, I, you want to ask a question? Kind of. Yeah. Go for it. My, it's, but yes. Yes. Is it like the Although some say Hanukkah maybe around two because of Yemei Hoda, whatever. But yeah, let's say Purim. Nachon. We should have no doubt. Ariel, you want to say something really fast, really, really fast. Yeah, I'm just um, celebrating Purim in America. I just remember, like, okay, did we not learn the lesson? Why aren't we going to Eretz Israel? But now that we are here, it's not just coming back and being like, okay, we did our part. It's being connected to the Beit Hamikdash is still not built. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing actively? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to to be connected to to that. Like, we're still in a process of being olenav. It's in, a, in, in a, connecting in a, to. It's like the time of it's like the time of pre Purim where. We went back, we built a Mizbeach, so let's say we built these beautiful shuls and schools in Yerushalayim, right? Mm-hmm. We have lookouts to Harabayit, but with that consciousness there. So that's why I said before, the two Seudas that, that were celebrating the non, the prophecy is not happening, celebrated by Kalim Mikalim Shonim, taking Kalim of Beis Mikdash and messing around with it. So it would be a good thing this year if at your table, at your Seuda, so you prepared something that resembled some kind of the kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. Whatever it is. Even if it's your menorah. Even if it's your menorah. Even if it's your Chanukiah. Huh? And you sit there and you cry with it. With what for you, right now, is the closest thing to, your, to what you could relate to as a kli from Beis HaMikdash. And, you, and your children look at you crying over a kli from the Beis HaMikdash. It seems to me, based on how this is progressing, this could be a wonderful hit orerut. Awakening to like mechavenas to the pnimiyut of this amazing auspicious thing. So we should hold on to these moments and go with it with all the koch in the world. It's a big week. It's a very very big week. We should-